Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on sportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Welcome back on board once again today as we conclude yet another NFL season, my 27th as a football fan. Started a little late. Uh, 27th, uh, 26th as a fan. 27th Super Bowl already. Unbelievable. Um, crazy. I started with uh, Super Bowl number 26 way back in 2000. No, just kidding. Way back in 1992. So, I mean, that's a long time ago, but still, I'm old enough to have seen Joe Montana in the Super Bowl, and I didn't watch football back in those days, and I truly regret that. So, that's a bummer. Uh, but this, again, <laughs> it's already more Super Bowls since that game than Super Bowls existed to that point. It's just crazy when you think about the math there, how Man, how long, uh, how long I've been watching and how long it's been since uh, Minneapolis hosted a Super Bowl. This was a million percent better game than that one was. The Washington versus Buffalo game way back in 92 in the Metrodome. A million times better stadium. Uh, halftime shows, yeah, whatever. I'm sure a lot of you like Justin Timberlake, like the production. I just don't watch halftime shows. You know, I, I, I need a break. I need to get away a little bit. This and that. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Hollywood, celebrity, all this stuff. I'm just not a fan. You know, I mean, I don't like the message they continue to shove down our throats. So that's just my point of view. You don't have to agree with me at all. And I don't need to shove my message down your throat. So with that said, the yet another team passes the Minnesota Vikings. Yet another team that had never won a championship, that had some success in the past. Maybe maybe this team or that team had little to no success previously, like the New Orleans Saints and the St. Louis Rams at that stage way back. Yet another team passes the Minnesota Vikings to a uh, <clears throat> to a, uh, their first ever Super Bowl championship. Of course, Philadelphia had championships in their previous uh, in the in the pre Super Bowl era NFL championships. Most recently, nineteen sixty. That's still quite a drought. That's as uh, about as long as the Vikings have existed. So, in fact, our drought and their drought was parallel, literally as long. And of course, the Super Bowl era started just a few years after that. And of course, Minnesota did not win any NFL championships in uh, 1961 to 1965 and of course Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, uh, the owners of two of five championships, two Super Bowls and five NFL championships, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, the owners of five Super Bowls. So unfortunately for Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they will remain tied with Lombardi and Barr. Uh, Barr, did I just call him Barr? Bart Starr. Bart Starr. Bart Starr. I'm losing my mind because it's just, damn it anyway. Why did uh, things have to go the way they did? Yeah, I was cheering for the Patriots, but we're going to sit down and be objective about this. This Philadelphia Eagles team is an awesome football team. (laughs) They are. Uh, What Nick Foles was able to accomplish against the Minnesota Vikings defense and the New England Patriots bend but don't break defense is something to marvel at. And it also gives us hope that maybe, just maybe, (laughs) Case Keenum just might be good enough. For this team. You got the good receivers in Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and you know what? The ever underrated and excellent Jarius Wright. Jarius Wright should be a Viking the rest of his career. I love what he's able to do. Jarek McKinnon, we don't know what his future holds in Minnesota, but you got Delvin Cook coming back, this and that. You still got everybody on defense. Brian Robinson may be on his way out, unfortunately. He's getting older. Uh, Joe Berger more than likely on his way out, Tom Johnson, this and that. So there's conversation there as we head into the draft, and that'll be talked about more in State of the Vikings and, of course, uh, free agency and all that. So what will proceed this show will be State of the Vikings in a few weeks, 
So this will be the last show for a little little while. State of the Vikings, and after that, an early to mid-March free agency conversation, and in very late March, early April, uh, or just in April, I guess, because they pushed the draft forward uh, in April, maybe even late April, I suppose, nowadays. Uh, a draft preview, and then a draft review after that. So not a whole lot of shows on the horizon. For a little while, I tend to stay away for a little bit, but then again, you know, there's always news. You got an offensive coordinator coming. More than likely, that will be a big part of the conversation on State of the Vikings, as of course we'll review the whole season. Uh, not crazy like every single play of every single game, but we'll discuss this and that. Just kind of paint a picture, put a purple bow on my 10th season covering this team on Purple Mafia and my 11th overall, if you include Paladino Live on YouTube the year before that, way back in 07, Adrian's rookie year in the NFL. Interesting. So, yes, uh, just a little uh, just a little layout to how things are going to head in the few, next few weeks and months and such. It's the same thing. It's nothing new for Purple Mafia. Shows will come out, but they won't be weekly, that's for sure. Um, and, of course, I'll continue to keep weekly shows for uh, Brave the Wild and Timberwolves Explosion. So do check those out, Minnesota Wild and Minnesota Timberwolves fans, as those seasons are still going, and both of those teams are playing pretty well. So stay on board. You might have both of them in the playoffs for the first time since never. Never. Um, back in the day with the North Stars, when they used to make the playoffs, Timberwolves didn't make it. Timberwolves hadn't made their first playoff appearance. Um, Timberwolves and Wild have never made the playoffs in the same season if you can believe that. So, because back in the day when the Wolves were making the playoffs, the Wild were brand new. Uh, or they had, didn't exist yet. So, this would be the first ever season, first ever winter, winter season era that uh, the Timberwolves and Wild would be in the playoffs in the springtime. Kind of cool. So, definitely encourage you to look forward to that. The final score of the game, which was yards, yards, and more yards, and that's basically the title of this show, 41-33. to 33. Holy crap. Philadelphia's defense is good and it saved them at the end. But Tom Brady passed for 505 yards in the game. Now I know nobody said this, or at least I hope nobody said it, but if anybody's out on Facebook or Twitter or just anywhere talking with their friends around the campfire, around this or that, the bonfire, or just at the kitchen over a few beers or whatever the heck it is, the, the the man cave. If you think Tom Brady is a choke, you are a moron. Certifiable moron. 505 yards. 505 yards, three touchdowns, and, well, he got strip-sacked on the basically the final, final like, play of the game in terms of where the game was in doubt. Obviously, the game wasn't over and they still had a chance, but those Hail Marys almost never work. Only once in a blue moon, particularly in a game like this. I mean... Minneapolis miracle did happen. Miracles do happen, but it's not like they happen all the time. So, unfortunately, it didn't happen for Tom Brady, but 505 yards in the game. He's not a choke. But Nick Foles, the guy I thought was going to turn back into a pumpkin. Midnight was going to strike, and Nick Foles was going to turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, he threw an interception in the game, but it was Cadre Ishmael-like in terms of how he was bounced up in the air and then intercepted, bounced up in the air by the receiver. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey tried to make the catch, and he volleyed it back up in the air. And then the interception took place. So if you're going to blame Nick Foles, I don't know. Maybe the ball was slightly overthrown, this and that. And good coverage by the Patriots for once in the freaking game. Talk about bend but don't break. My God. Did it, did, did, uh, I mean, what are, what are they made out of, Gumby? Because, okay, it bent too much. Because you're giving up too much. Nick Foles did the exact same thing. Nick Foles and, of course, head coach, who I give a huge amount of credit, Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles, did a number on the 
New England Patriots, just like they did the number on the Minnesota Vikings. Option play after option play. It was time and time again where they would get that half second or so extra because of that option play. It looks like a handoff. Next thing you know, he still has the ball and is flinging it forward. Him being Nick Foles to the Alshon Jeffries, to the uh, to the running backs, whoever it is. Even uh, Corey Clement on occasion who wound up with four or wound up with 100 yards, a 55-yard play along the way. Time and time again, the Patriots weren't ready. Zach Ertz had big plays. Of course, one in the end zone that was questionable, but I had a feeling they were going to just give it to him. I, I, I don't know. I thought it was questionable at best. But, but then again, it's because of the rule. The eye test, it's a touchdown. But the rules, is it really a touchdown? I guess. I guess he had turned into a runner at that point, so I can kind of understand. It's the, the whole thing where he had turned into a runner, where, of course, Adam Thielen was never a runner. He was a receiver the whole time. Remember back in Philadelphia, or excuse me, uh, Carolina, which, of course, helped us have to go to Philadelphia, which killed us. Maybe Nick Foles would have came into <clears throat> U.S. Bank Stadium and killed us anyway, and I guess he may have. God, just imagine, we're in U.S. Bank Stadium, Nick Foles kills us, and then he kills the Patriots the next two weeks. Unbelievable. And, of course, Tom Brady killed the Eagles, too. Um, but huge reasons why the Eagles won is the game is won in the trenches. And, unfortunately, that's why, unfortunately, the offensive line, people never think about the offensive line. People think about the defensive line to a point. Because, you know, they get a little more glory because they get the big play, the sack, and the strip sack, which obviously changed the game and brought Philadelphia their first ever Super Bowl championship. Um, but offensive linemen, they just, they never seem to get the credit, do they? I mean, Mick Tinglehoff was one of the greatest centers of all time, and it took him 38 years to get into the Hall of Fame. And that's why you saw tears in Fran Turgenden's eyes in his short speech covering for uh, Mick Tinglehoff, who just, you know, he just didn't think he could do it when it was time for his speech. 38 years to get into the Hall of Fame for a guy that probably should have waited maybe five at most, you know. But that's the thing. Uh, look at uh, the guy with Green Bay back in the 60s. Jerry Kramer, offensive lineman for the uh, Green Bay Packers back in the 60s. He finally got in in the 60s, and he finally got in. I mean, can you believe that? So look at that, you know. And, and that was a team that won, you know, the several championships in the, in the Lombardia era. Um, so... Go ahead and, I mean, yeah, it's a Green Bay Packer and this and that, but what a nice guy. He was on Dan Barrera last week, and that was cool, and he finally got in. It took him eternity to get in, and it's about bleeping time. I mean, geez, 2018, and he played, didn't he? He was born in 1936. He's 82. He had enough energy, though. He was a good author, all that. He has enough energy that uh, he'll, he'll fit right in with that Hall of Fame class, and God bless him. And it just shows you. That Philadelphia offensive line is a huge reason they won the game because the Patriots couldn't get to them. And then there were missed tackles, a la Anthony Barr in Philadelphia. We could blame the slippery ground. The Eagles were more used to it than the Vikings, this and that, but still, make the believe in tackles. And then you're inside, and the Patriots were missing some key tackles. And, of course, you had a, a moment in the game at the beginning that may have helped cost the Patriots the game as well. When Butler... Butler didn't even get in the game, and you were stuck with Eric Rowe the whole time, and he got burned time and time again. Number 25, Eric Rowe had to replace Malcolm Butler, <laughs> one of the best one of the best cornerbacks out there. One of the better cornerbacks, we'll say. Again, Ben, but don't break defense. But when he's out and there was no indication as to why, it makes conspiracy theorists wonder what's going on here. Was Belichick paid off to, to blow the game? Was uh, Butler paid off to blow the game? What's going on here? Is the New World Order trying to take control here? I don't know. I don't really want to believe that, but who knows? I 
There's conspiracies out there, yes. I believe there's conspiracies out there, a la JFK. You don't have to agree with me. You're totally fine to do that. You know, you can laugh all you want. But, uh, uh, but I don't know. This was kind of weird. Uh, there was no indication. Was he hurt? Was he out partying all week? And then Bill Belichick said, you're not playing. You're not focused on this game. And he was very upset, was uh, Malcolm Butler, after the game, basically in tears, you know, and saying, I would have changed the bleeping game, this and that. And probably, because this game was so close, uh, both teams were basically up and down the field. There was only one punt in the whole game, and it was the Philadelphia Eagles that ended up punting. The Patriots didn't even punt once in the game. Uh, Jake Elliott missed an extra point. Uh, Steven Goskowski did a, uh, literally did a uh, uh, Blair Walsh completely off. Uh, you could even say Kai Forbath that sometimes it's some icky ones. Of course he did. That was way off. Uh, and it was on the left hash, so that doesn't help when it's on the left hash. He went on the right hash, and then Goskowski missed an extra point as well. Didn't cost the Patriots the game at the end of the day, but it, yeah, kind of did, because the Patriots didn't have to score a touchdown at the end. Of course, Philadelphia also missed on two toe-cooling conversions, so that can come back to haunt them as well. So you sit down and think about that. The missed extra point and missed uh, two missed uh, two-point conversions. Okay, that's five points on the board for Philly that would have really iced the game right there. Would have been a really odd score of 46 to 33. And of course, the uh, missed field goal, 36, and missed extra point, 38. So maybe 46-38. What a weird score. Even higher scoring than ever. Um, the most yardage in the history of an, any NFL game ever. 1,151 total yards for both teams in this game. So, yeah, I mean, this was something to see. You think Philadelphia, New England, you think maybe lower scoring, and then down the stretch, Brady kind of turns it on and wraps it up, just like back in 04? That was a low-scoring game. Uh, but Nick Foles didn't didn't uh, wilt under pressure like Donovan McNabb, number two overall pick in the draft. Carson Wentz was also a, top, a number two pick in the draft. He looks more promising than what McNabb turned out to be. As good as McNabb was, he wasn't ready in that big game, unfortunately. And, of course, Brady was young and in his prime at, the, at that stage, though you could argue Brady's still in his prime at age 40, throwing for 505 yards. You couldn't see, you wouldn't see Peyton Manning do this when he was age 39, did you? Against, you know, and that was against a Carolina defense that wasn't the same for some reason. Um, this Philadelphia defense was a lot more like what Denver's was at the time. An excellent defense that shut the Vikings down in a big way. But they're a bit of a bend but don't break because uh, Case Keenum and the Vikings offense, they got their numbers. They got their yards, but they didn't get in the end zone and they didn't make their field goals. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Well, they didn't even get to attempt field goals is what the Vikings did because we got desperate or we had to go for it on fourth down and we never got in the end zone. Or the Patriots, well, they had to settle for a lot of uh, field goals throughout the game. The Eagles did time and, uh, on occasion, but more of the uh, Patriots had to settle for field goals a lot, where they'd give up a billion, uh, the Eagles would give up a billion yards, but not give up the touchdown. So that's kind of the story of the game in a lot of ways. <sighs> Pretty dramatic stuff. Uh, Philadelphia getting the early lead, and I figured, oh, well, Case Keenum and the Vikings did that as well. Patriots return, only get the field goal, this and that. And then Nick Foles turned into the Nick Foles against the Vikings. He started seeing those up-the-middle passes down the field, showing off that arm a little bit, and ended up being big plays to Elshon Jeffrey. And that was like, oh, crap. And then, of course, the Eagles missed the extra point there. Mr. Elliott, uh, Elshon Jeffrey, uh, reception for 34 yards in that play. But overall, Gronkowski and Brady hooking up after that drive and did a fantastic job, which uh, ultimately ended up getting the Patriots finally in the end zone. 
late in the second quarter. Then the Eagles immediately, though, add another touchdown, which was unbelievable. And it was the play of the game, the play that you'll see on ESPN. You'll see it on NFL Network. You'll see it over and over and over and over again as the, as the Eagles were able to get into that red zone. It was basically in two-point conversion land. And then you saw Nick Foles lining up as a receiver behind the guards a bit, pretty much. Kind of like a slot receiver. And then it was a reverse play, and Trey Burton ended up releasing the ball. A reverse play. Pretty trick there, multiple attempts. It was a fourth down. Instead of going for the field goal, the Eagles, again, Doug Peterson, making a risk. He gambled, and he won, boy. He won, and and Nick Foles was completely wide open. I mean, when you see a guy, the quarterback, lining up as a receiver, at least have one player on him. I, I don't understand why they would completely ignore him. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I know you're probably thinking they might try to run it in, but please. I mean, Nick Foles was wide open, and it was just minutes after <laughs> the Patriots tried the same thing. <sighs> the ball given to Danny Amendola. He attempted the pass. Brady basically had alligator arms, just did not have any athleticism in the on the play. Couldn't make the catch. That was on third down, a short third down, where the Patriots would ultimately end up giving the ball back to the Eagles which was very disappointing because they failed on their fourth down attempt after that. The Patriots went for it because, you know, it's not like the end of the world. They're in the, the 30s on the other side, on Philadelphia's side of the ball. So it wasn't the end of the world. And then it ended up being a huge problem because then the Eagles respond with a similar play into the end zone. Again, Trey Burton hitting Nick Foles in the end zone, which was a big moment because the Patriots went from down by three to down by 10. And yes, Jake Elliott made the extra point this time. But you figure Patriots will get the ball in the second half, this and that, and they came back from 24 last year, 25 actually, crazy, 28-3, to 25-point comeback in the Silver Bowl, and the Patriots were back in the game time and time again. The Eagles would continue to get the lead back or remain ahead. They would build on that lead, remain ahead, but the Patriots kept coming back. It was just back and forth, Foles and Brady, Foles and Brady. Um, Brady would hit uh, Hogan. Time and time again, ultimately get him in the end zone. And Nick Foles hit Corey Clement. Brady to Rob Gronkowski as that became an incredible combination in the second half. As you didn't see a whole lot in the first half. Uh, the first drive, basically, was just Brady to Gronkowski about four times in a row there. And the Patriots drive into the end zone. Makes things interesting for a while there. And it was a fantastic, spectacular second half. Uh, three receivers for New England would get over 100 yards. Danny Amendola, 152 yards. No touchdowns, though. Chris Hogan, 128 yards, did get in the end zone. Rob Gronkowski, 116 yards, and he led the team in catches. 15 targets in the game. Some of them throwaways, of course. Two touchdowns for Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Brady, though, ultimately, after all the back and forth of Philadelphia and this and this and that, so that chance, the Eagles would get a field goal to go up. By by forty two uh forty two yard field goal by Jake Elliott, and yep they would go up thirty two twenty six at that stage again Brady Gronkowski put the Patriots ahead but of course nine minutes left but the Patriots finally led in the game for the first time ever <laughs> first time in that whole game the Patriots finally were ahead you were hoping maybe their defense would finally wake up but then of course Philadelphia would get the job done at the end of the day a time consuming drive lots of running lots of burning the clock as the Patriots just could not prevent 
The Eagles removing the chains. Just imagine if the Patriots could stop the run a little better and against their former star running back. Well, you know, he was a bit of a star, particularly in that 2014 Super Bowl. Not so much last year. LeGarrette Blunt showing that power in the game. He had a long of 36, 90 yards on the ground for LeGarrette Blunt. Did get in the end zone in one of the plays earlier. Um, but he was getting those key first downs, and so was Jay Ajayi. And that's what, that's what took place. The time was coming off the clock. But, of course, you leave 2 minutes and 21 seconds for Tom Brady. The uh, Eagles would have to, uh, the Eagles would get in the end zone. Uh, that's where the big play took place. You thought that the Patriots might stop the Eagles, have them settle for a field goal, and they're only up by 2 points with 2 minutes and 21 remaining. It's like, <laughs> it's like there it is again. Just like... Uh, Tom Brady against Carolina years ago. Tom Brady against St. Louis years ago in the Super Bowl. Have about a minute, two minutes left. About two minutes left, down by a little bit, or in or in uh, the, the Rams' case, a close game or a tie game, just before overtime. So you figure everything's going to be okay. <laughs> but then, but then there's the play to uh, Zach Ertz. He just had become a runner, and that's why the touchdown was called, as the ball did hit the ground. He had enough control of it while he was running that once the ball hit the ground and bounced out, it was basically like a running back type of a play. Lots of arguments back and forth. I can understand where they called it a touchdown. I don't like it very much, but it is what it is. Zach Ertz giving the glory to God at the end of the game, which was wonderful to hear. Uh, Nice tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Killed the Vikings hardcore. Him and Nick Poles teaming up again on the play that gave them their first championship in Ever. Well, well their, their first championship in the Super Bowl era and their first championship since 1960, uh, 57 years ago, I, uh, in terms of seasons, 57 seasons. This is the 58th season since then, of course. And my Lord, <laughs> it was a uh, very close call. Instead of being up by two, Eagles were up by five. But again, two minutes and 21 seconds. With this offense, with what Tom Brady has done to this Eagles defense, as good as they are, it was like a burning butter knife slicing through butter. That's what Tom Brady was. 505 yards. But then all of a sudden you saw that pressure. The same pressure that ended up throwing off Case Keenum in that game. Throwing Case Keenum off enough that he ended up getting turnovers. Again, the pick six that ended up changing everything to Abraham. Ugh. Abraham helped take the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to the promised land. <clears throat> okay, sorry. But he did. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, but then the uh, here comes the ensuing drive. Patriots get their first down to start things out. Here they come, baby. Here they come. Two minutes and 21 seconds. That's eternity. It's Tom Brady, and look what he's done. This is going to be not easy. It's not going to be easy. They're going to come at him with everything they got, but he'll get it done because it's, it's just going to happen. Next thing you know, next thing you know, everything closes in on Tom Brady. They're closing in on Tom Brady, and he's a strip sack. <laughs> The strip sack happens a la Teddy Bridgewater against the Arizona Cardinals. The strip sack. That does not mean the quarterback choked. That is a combination of obviously the offensive line not quite getting the job done. The defensive line doing a fantastic job of Philadelphia. And okay, you know, the play hadn't developed yet. Brady was just about to release the ball. He was hoping to get a call for an incomplete pass, but there was no way they are going to call it. He hadn't he wasn't in, in any motion of releasing the ball. He was pretty much going backwards. And, yeah, that's where things, uh, that's how it turned out right there. The game wasn't over. Philadelphia would only get a field goal, so there was still a chance. 
still a small, small chance that the uh, <laughs> Patriots could get a touchdown on a two-point conversion. Remember, they did a lot of pretty dramatic, amazing stuff last year against Atlanta. Uh, Brandon Graham was the guy who got the strip sack in the game. The first sack in the game changed everything. It was very shocking. And then uh, that's where things went, and that's how it went. Uh, the Patriots would get a few first downs. And then, of course, you go to the Hail Mary, which, I don't know, you could probably call pass interference in every Hail Mary in the history of the world, but odds are they're not going to call it unless it's totally obvious. Gronkowski couldn't even get off the ground, pretty much, because there were too many Eagles' hands in the way, and he was wondering why there's no call. But, of course, they're not going to call anything. And it was a lot like the uh, end of the Giants game in that sense. Back in 2011, the attempt to rob Gronkowski, and it's just not enough, not enough... Uh, the ball didn't hang up in the air long enough, that type of thing. Too much gravity, and there's nothing you can do. You know, I mean, there's not enough time to get to that ball with all that traffic trying to get it at the same time. It's like they're playing 500 with, like, 10 guys all smashing into each other. Odds are the ball's going to fall to the ground. And that's what took place. Patriots ran out of time. The game's over, and down comes that tealish covered, colored green, silver, and white coming down from the sky. Eagles win their first championship, and uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans, who we loathe very much, at least not all of them, but a good number of them, that gave us a hard time. And there was definitely a Philadelphia vibe to that crowd, not a New England vibe to that crowd. Um, and that was a huge part of the change for the, uh, that was a huge part of the, the feeling of this game. It was just a Philadelphia night, I guess. Uh, more green in the crowd than anything else. And, of course, the confetti was very green coming down. Uh, not that bright green that the Eagles used to be, kind of like bright green grass, but more of, again, that teal, dark color that we see all the time. It's kind of a weird color, but it works. And, well, there it is. There's their first Super Bowl title. A team very comparable to the Minnesota Vikings in great history. Lots of history, lots of good players, great defenses, some good offenses, of course. Uh, big games, NFC Championship games, Super Bowls. <sighs> But no championship in the Super Bowl era, and there it is. They got theirs, and still we wait. And since 1998, I've been doing this. Number of teams that have passed the Vikings in terms of they never won a title. Well, you got the St. Louis Rams. That's one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's two. New Orleans Saints. That's three. And I'm trying to think there's more in there. Obviously, Seattle Seahawks. That's four. Um, there's definitely a lot more. Unfortunately, Seattle Seahawks, that's four. Uh, Eagles, that's five. That's a no-brainer. It could have been Arizona. That would have been six, but they just could not make a defensive stop at the end there. Um, Baltimore Ravens, that's six. Baltimore Ravens slash, well, they weren't the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore Ravens, though, they did it twice. Uh, so that's six. So again, 2000 Ravens, 2001 was the Patriots, that's seven. Patriots hadn't won one at 98, that's seven. See, it's just, look at the numbers since 98. The whole thing where the all of us thought that was when the Vikings were going to end the drought, and it's painful to think about. Uh, so again, uh, the 01 Patriots, 02 Buccaneers, which I did mention, 03. Uh, who the heck was 03? That's the Patriots, yep. 04 Patriots, 05 Steelers. Of course, they'd won before 06 uh <laughs> The 06 Colts, yep, that's eight. God, no, 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 no. They they won, they won in Baltimore, but uh, we won't count that one. I, we, we won't count that one because they had one before, but the city in Indianapolis. So if you want to count the city, that's eight then. So we will count it. That's eight, unfortunately. Seven, 2007, that was the Giants. They'd won before. 2008 was the Steelers, duh. They'd won before. 
Nine was the Saints. Yep, I already talked about that. Ten was the Packers. Oh, goody. Eleven was the Giants again. Twelve was the Ravens again. Thirteen was the frickin' ugly Seahawks. Then you got fourteen Patriots. Fifteen Broncos. I think they'd won before, right? <laughs> and, of course, 16 Patriots, 17 Eagles. So eight teams, eight different cities have claimed a Super Bowl championship before the Vikings since 98. So that's frustrating, their first uh, championship. So that sucks. The franchise of Indianapolis had won. The franchise of the Colts had won before in Baltimore. So that's an interesting combination, Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore Colts, and all that crap. But, uh, yeah, very interesting. So the city of Baltimore actually had won two Super Bowls, when you uh, three now actually, if you if you count the Colts. But um, okay, whatever. I know it's depressing, but it's just like if they can do it, we can do it. Let's look at it that way, please. Let's look at it that way. If they can do it, we can do it. The Eagles finally did it. They they had it happen. Now it's our turn. The Houston Astros finally did it. The Cleveland Cavaliers finally did it. The Chicago bleeping Cubs finally did it. The Chicago White Sox finally did it. The Boston Red Sox finally did it. Okay, okay, let's go, Purple Nation. Let's uh, let's get our first, huh? Who's to say we got to have a huge drop-off after the NFC title game? It's happened many, many times, but for the first time since the whole situation, of course, back in 1980, the Vikings were getting really old. The Purple People Eaters were pretty much all just about all gone, and you had some decent players, some mediocre players, some guys fall into injury, this and that. Um, Amad Rashad's career was very short. But you had the Vikings in the NFC title game that year. Major drop-off until 87. Different team. A lot of fun drop-off again after that. Of course, some good seasons, but the team didn't do as much after that. You know, you got back to the playoffs and all that. 98, drop-off, but still talented. Then then you had 2000 pretty quickly after that. Massive drop-off until 09. So let's hope, uh, and then 09, huge drop-off again because of the aging players on that team. So, luckily, there aren't too many aging players in the Minnesota Vikings. And, again, we'll talk about that more in the State of the Vikings, the future of the Vikings, the current State of the Vikings, and, again, the future prospects of Minnesota. And, of course, hoping to get uh, just at least take one quarterback in the draft. Maybe, maybe he is the next something. Garoppolo, you know, like a Garoppolo type for San Francisco. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to regret what they did there. Why? As great as Brady is at age 40, throwing 505 yards in a Super Bowl, that's... Not even, I don't know, I just hope he's not doing a Lance Armstrong in terms of Tom Brady. That's my only hope. Please. I don't want to find out that he's got some kind of, uh, that he's cheating somehow, some some uh, PEDs going on. I really pray to God that's not what's going on. But I'm sure they've tested him religiously forever because that's how it is. And that's how the NFL is. They test people like crazy. And if he's doing this legally, he's quite an amazing, amazing person that deserves a ton of credit. You can hate the Patriots all you want, but he deserves to be... <laughs> respected for what he's been able to accomplish. It's nuts. Oh, he's not athletic. He can't run. He can't jump. But he threw for 500 yards against a team that slaughtered our team. A team that slaughtered our team. Okay? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay? Okay? I would love to see Case Keenum throw for 505 yards against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. That would have been beautiful. But, unfortunately, that didn't happen. So it would have been better if it was in U.S. Bank Stadium. But again, we'll just leave that alone. We'll have to get it next year, eh? Because that's just that. That's the theme for everybody. The Patriots, we'll have to get them next year. Even the Patriots are talking about next year now. And the Eagles are, well, it's time to celebrate. They're enjoying it. They've waited forever. All your buildings are shining in the green with the green lights and all that. Enjoy. You know, I pray to God, sit here and wait till the day this town 
has purple all over it again. And this time, there's fireworks, confetti everywhere because it happened. It happened. That's what we're truly waiting for. That was a, again, the Eagles are a team that deserves an amazing amount of credit for their guts, for their ability to hang in there after Carson Wentz's injury. Remember how I talked about I felt for Philadelphia fans because that team had been through the same type of stuff as we as uh, Minnesota Vikings fans. They have this amazing quarterback in Carson Wentz and he goes down with an ACL, all that. And the strangest type of injury too, you didn't think it'd be that bad, you know, but then it, it was. And Nick Foles looks like a shrinking violet and then something happened. They survived that Falcon game, which was a bit of a scare. But then they kept completing those passes, getting those key third down uh, uh, conversions because of that doggone option play, which kept the, the Atlanta Falcons that half second off. That's what happened, a half second off. And that's what took place, and that's what happened to the Vikings. It got worse, and then they started getting more and more gutty, not just one or two plays down the field, but many, and they kept it up, did Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles. And next thing, Nick Foles is like a junior Carson Wentz out there. And, you know, it's just further proof that if Carson Wentz was healthy, I think the Eagles would have been favored going into the Super Bowl. I think they would have been the favored team going into the Super Bowl. They would have at least been 14-2, and I think, which would have given them the number one record in football. And, uh, well, good for the Eagles. They earned it. They worked their butts off. Congratulations. Uh, that's, that's just how it goes. So I hate what the Eagles fans did. I've never had a huge hatred for the Eagles. I just, it's just frustrating because we never beat them in the playoffs, which is kind of funny. You'd think we'd beat them once, but we still haven't in the playoffs. So let's change that next year, I guess. Little Super Bowl hangover. Let's, uh, let's, let's get the purple lights going. Let's get the purple lights in the city. Let's enjoy it next year. Wouldn't that be great? So again, we'll talk about that on State of the Vikings 2018. Um, going to give something here quick before I go into fan interaction. I have a dear friend, uh, Neil Nate Dog Thiesing, who has hosted some uh, shows with me on Brave the Wild. He's uh, he's in dire straits. Uh, he's in the ICU. It's not been looking good. Um, we've been praying and praying and praying. I've been praying intensely for the fat for the for the past few days. Uh, something happened during the course of Friday night that it led him to the ICU, just a medical condition that, that worsened. And now he's facing, you know, he's in the ultimate battle for his life at this stage. And I just want you to all, uh, can, uh, to, to give him, to keep him in your thoughts and prayers, please, uh, please pray for him. Uh, and again, I just want to say he's the, he was like about the nicest guy ever. And I, I just want to continue to believe he'll be able to come back, come out of this, a true Minneapolis miracle to take place with uh, him coming come, coming out of that hospital bed uh, once again, one day. So that's the hope. Uh, Neil Nate Dog Thiesing, this show is to you, is dedicated to you in a big way. It's for you. Um, God bless you. Uh, he's basically in the hospital right next to U.S. Bank Stadium. There's an incredible view of it. We were looking at it. Incredible. Uh, the day before the Super Bowl, of course, is when I went to visit. Uh, of course, he is a medic. He's in a medical-induced coma. So obviously, there was no conversation to take place. You could just uh, sit there, pray for him, kind of speak to him as they say he, he can hear you. I hope so. Uh, but that's kind of how things are right now. Just giving that out. Uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. And. That's how I'm going to end the segment right here. I'm dedicating this show to Neil Nate Dog Thiesing. We'll be back for fan interaction after this. 
Sharp Act here on Football Mafia. It's just a two-segment show. Of course, a long first segment. Lots to talk about there. Uh, amazing football game. Uh, second segment, of course. And this is what the uh, structure of the shows will be for the most part. Going against State of the Vikings might be a three-segment show, but generally speaking, it's usually just the, the main topic and then fan interaction uh, in the two different segments. There's a lot to talk about in the fan interaction, though. So, yeah, um, we'll jump right into it. Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. want to thank those of you that retweeted the show. For some reason, I'm not seeing them, but I know a good... I know some of you did. I remember seeing the retweets and all that, but just sometimes it disappears in the whole mentions thing and it gets lost, and I don't know, it's a bummer, but I appreciate those of you that do tell your friends about the show by retweeting or sharing uh, the link to the show. That I send out. Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland says, Another great podcast, my man. Taken a few days from football. Needed needed to, but like your take on the possibility of Breeze. We need to throw the sink at next season. All in has to be the way to go. Got $60 million in cap space. And yeah, that could be exactly the direction the Vikings go. Odds are he's going to stay in uh, New Orleans. It could be between Case and Teddy. Of course, since the last show, Alex Smith traded to Washington. A $97 million contract, uh, guarantees of about $71 million. But, of course, this whole trade and sign and all that deal uh, can't be official until free agency opens. The new NFL season opens in, on March 1st. So we'll see. There's a possibility that the whole thing could go away. But I'm thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to finish that way. So those of you that wanted Alex Smith to Minnesota, that's not going to happen. does open the doors for Kirk Cousins, but we're talking extremely high contract, up to $30 million a season. I don't know about that. Uh, is Kirk Cousins that good? You know, he's good, but he's this isn't Tom Brady, this isn't Aaron Rodgers, and it isn't Drew Brees about five or six years ago. Of course, Brees and, and Brady, of course, both very old players, but still very good, uh, ageless and all that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'd love to see Teddy play again. I think there's unfinished business with him, and I'm, I think there's unfinished business with uh, Case Keenum as well. It'll be interesting to see how things turn out. The Eagles proved you can win with the backup quarterback. Of course, the Giants did years ago with Jeff Hosteller. Even the Redskins with Mark Rippian. He won the MVP in that Super Bowl against the uh, Buffalo Bills way back in uh, the Metrodome in 92. Mark Rippian. You know, what did he ever do? You know, so it's like it's, things happen sometimes. Of course, it's a magical season for those teams. Uh, we thought it was a magical season with Case Keenum in Minnesota. And, of course, that did not take place, um, unfortunately. So, St. Walker. Mark Carlson's son, who's been in uh, the Philadelphia area, believe it or not, yep, with the uh, military there, he says, if I had to draw a picture to summarize the season, it would look a lot like this, and it was a stick man kicking, uh, stick man number one, or it's not a stick man, a guy number one kicking guy number two in the balls, and that's what it was. Things were going so well, and then we got kicked right in the balls. Yes, I said it openly. Uh, Mad Martin, here we go. She says, so Alex Smith to Washington, what's that mean for Kirk Cousins? I was thinking, yeah, I mean, could be anybody, Minnesota, Denver, Jacksonville. He was saying Jacksonville's uh, front runner, and yes, that that could be the one, Jacksonville, depending on how confident they are in Blake Bortles. Uh, I thought he did a good job in the playoffs, did Blake Bortles, believe it or not, but most of the regular season, he was terrible. Um, so, uh, shoulder, shoulder surgery for Blake Bortles, yep, that's something that does complicate things, and Tene Brown out of New Zealand mentions that. Um, he was saying that complicates things for the Jazz. I think his option becomes guaranteed now, doesn't it? And that being, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Yes, I, I believe it does. I believe it does today. Um, Mad Martin was saying, I'm not sure on the Jags cap, but Bortles' days are numbered there. How do you guys feel about the Purple making attempt at getting Cousins? Maybe not if we have to sell a farm. And that's exactly the thing, Mad Martin, uh, Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland. 
Um, I think the price is too high. And I know we have the cap space, but is the product worth the price? Is the product worth the price? That's the million dollar question. Is the product worth the price? Uh, yes, no, maybe so. Does he have a great arm? I mean, see, Bradford has a special skill. It's a good arm, and he's accurate. He's not mobile, and of course, you got a chronic knee situation. If Bradford was healthier and more mobile, but then again, you'd have to throw the sink at him to get him, to, to get him if, if he was like that. He, he would be, yeah, like an Aaron Rodgers then, but um, obviously, unfortunately, not the case with Bradford. The special skills do exist, but unfortunately, the uh, chronic... Uh, Issues also exist with that knee. Um, I, you know, Bradford is the best. Was the best quarterback on the roster. He was. The lack of mobility didn't help, but an improved offensive line against that New Orleans Saints defense was a sight to see. It really was. I mean, he looked great. You know, Tom Brady's not very mobile, but again, he got the arm and the accuracy. That's two things that are pretty damn important if you're a quarterback. So as long as you can get protection, you got a shot. Uh, Tanae continues, says, I think we'd get stuck in mediocrity if we, if we went after uh, Cousins. Bradford is a really good quarterback. He's just too injury prone. We're in a hard position. And yes, Bradford would be a great, great, great choice, great quarterback for the Vikings, if not for that gall darn situation. I mean, I loved what I saw from him in 2016. Uh, again, with no offensive line protection and the way he stayed healthy the whole year. And then this year, the offensive line protection is there. And then this happens, you know, it's just like really, you know, it's just classic Vikings luck, isn't it? You know, and you don't want to talk that way because it's just, you know, they always say, oh, the words go up in the atmosphere and that's why you don't want to talk negatively, all that, you know, it's just bad, you know, it, this brings a negative feeling to everything and bad things happen, this and that, but shoot, it does seem that way though. Like what, it's a seesaw, it's a doggone seesaw. Bradford is healthy. And this and that, but there's no offensive line protection. Then there's the offensive line protection and Bradford's hurt. Why? Why does it have to turn out that way? <laughs> because what an awesome season this could have been, possibly. Just imagine offensive line protection for Sam Bradford all season and healthy and him playing anything near he played against New Orleans the whole year. But, you know, against bad teams, he'd probably throw for 400 yards. You'd see Bradford in the Pro Bowl. The Vikings may have been 14-2. and two. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think we would have won that damn Detroit game that changed everything in the freaking uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, our, our only home loss this year. That damn Detroit game. That made, that, that that was home field. There's your 14-2. and two. <laughs> For, Forget about Philadelphia having home field then. <laughs> um, man, Bradford versus uh, Nick Foles in the, in the NFC title game in U.S. Bank Stadium. That would have been very interesting. Very scary, possibly. But who knows? Maybe it would have been enough. Who knows? Who knows? Because um, uh, the Eagles would have had to play on the road. They never really did. So they never really did. Uh, they had a pretty good home crowd. A pretty good home crowd in U.S. Bank Stadium, didn't they? They wouldn't have had that if the Vikings were here. I'm telling you. There would have been more Viking fans than Eagles fans. I got to think. Let's continue. Mad Martin says, agree. I like Bradford, but the injury, but the injuries. So the... Redskins will reportedly give Smith a four-year extension that is rumored to be in the neighborhood of $94 million, and you are correct. $71 million guarantees. That's nuts. You're right. Uh, Mad Barn continues, says, if Bradford will accept team-friendly deal and we go quarterback in the draft, that could be interesting. And I'm not against that at all. Go ahead and go quarterback in the draft, but also go offensive line in the draft. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Offensive line, offensive line in the draft. Obviously, Berger's out. Uh, Pat Elfline, I don't know, man. Can he stay healthy? I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, he missed a 
pretty good amount of time, and then he had the very serious injury at the end here. It was more of a nagging shoulder injury, but shoulders and offensive line, that's not a good combination. You don't want to have shoulder injuries all the time. I hope he can stay healthy because he's so valuable. It's Pat Elfline. Uh, Riley Reef is awesome. Mike Remmers couldn't stay healthy, and then they put him at freaking guard, and what did that do? You know, not much. Uh, Rashad Hill is average at best. You know, he's young, but how much better is he going to get? So we'll continue here. Uh, Tene Brown uh, says, It's a shame we didn't get to see Teddy much. Yeah, we didn't get to see much of Teddy this year. Would have been good to see where he's at. And I'm curious, too. We didn't get to see anything. We didn't even get to see. Yeah. You you we, you really wish we did. Mad Martin says, Only the organization knows that. So we'll be telling if they make him an offer. And they do sound like, when you read between the lines, the way Mike Zimmer talks, all the time, whenever they talk about Keenum, it's like, we'll reevaluate. And then they talk about uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And Rick Spielman talks about there's a loophole in the whole system where if uh, Bridgewater was on the pup list a certain amount of time, he's not a free agent. He'll have one more year. Like, that year gets, you know, gets <laughs> pushed forward. That final year of his contract gets gets uh, pushed forward, and we get to use it again. So uh, he, he was only active for six games from the pup list this season. And uh, according to league rules, Teddy Bridgewater could be back for one, that one more year with the same small contract, uh, the, the same rookie contract, which is, uh, you know, which is uh, less than $2 million a year. But if the Vikings do give him an extension, like a three-year extension at a reasonable price, I'm not against it at all. Um, he's made his quote saying he's a starting quarterback next year. He will be a starting quarterback next year here or somewhere else. So we'll see what happens. And obviously the franchise, the organization loves Teddy Bridgewater. I think a lot of guys love Case Keenum too. So it's going to be very interesting how things continue. This is obviously the number one topic going into State of the Vikings, number one topic going into free agency, number one topic going into the draft, along with the offensive line. And of course, some defensive line help as well. Uh, Tom Johnson, I'd love to see him stay, but of course there's a possibility he's not going He's not going to be kept. Uh, he's getting older. He did a hell of a job. Uh, Sharif Floyd was expected to be in that position in the first place, and the nerve damage in that knee is uh, a bummer, huge bummer, huge, huge bummer. So don't be surprised to see defensive tackles taken in the draft, uh, offensive tackle, at least one offensive tackle and one and one or two guards taken in the NFL draft. The Vikings do have a good number of picks. Do we trade up? Do we trade down? I don't know. Or, well, there'll, there'll be some type of trade because there's always something. Uh, the Vikings traded up for Delvin Cook. The Vikings traded up for Teddy. The Vikings traded up for Harrison Smith. The Vikings traded up for <laughs> Cord Daryl frickin' Patterson, which was the most expensive of all of those trade-ups. And it was against the, the uh, Patriots. That was great. That was great. Let's continue. I'm dragging this longer than uh, anything else here. I, I apologize. A lot of co comments here. Mad Martin says, Ken not see Breeze being available, so Cousins is the best left. The next three best free agent quarterbacks on the list might all currently be members of the Minnesota Vikings. What choice? What a choice to make. Glad it's not mine. Yep, when it comes to the quarterbacks, it could be out of those three, and maybe two of them do come back. Bridgewater and Keenum, maybe. Maybe even Bradford. You never know. Maybe Bradford instead of Keenum. But uh, I think Teddy's the most likely to come back, and <laughs> one of the other two. You know, one of the other two. There will be, yeah, don't look at this the wrong way, there'll be a white quarterback and a black quarterback returning for the Vikings. That's how I'm looking at it. One of the two white guys, and then I think Teddy's the most likely to return. Please don't take that the wrong way. I'm just talking, okay? I'm just talking. Teddy and one of the other two. <laughs> okay, Mad Martin says, could 
could have a whole cop. Yes, yes, we could because look how long this is already. Could have a whole podcast just on the quarterback situation and things are getting kicked off six weeks early, it appears. Yes, it does. It does appear that way, Mad Martin. Tanae Brown says if Mayfield drops in the draft, I'd be happy to see him in purple. Yeah, absolutely. And I have not looked too much into the draft yet. I'm going to be honest, but those days could be coming. Uh, or I mean, those days will be coming. I'm going to sit down and do a lot of uh, research. And I love doing that. I do. When I have time to, I, I love doing it. Hopefully I get enough time here coming up. Mad Martin says, I would like to trade up for Baker. Don't like any other options at all, but I think you would have to sell a farm to do it. So, yeah, I don't want to sell the farm because you always lose. You always lose when you sell the farm. Did you ever notice that? So if there's anything like that, don't do it. James Beck out of the UK says, seeing images and footage inside US Bank Stadium this evening is making me feel very, very sad. Me too. Me too. I mean, I looked right at that uh, sign right when the Eagles were still pounding the Vikings and I was, you know, uh, and, and I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it when I drove away at halftime for a bit. Uh, Vikings-Eagles game and I was staring at that Super Bowl sign and I was crying, man. <laughs> I was heartbroken. Uh, Mad Martin says, we all, we are all in that Vikings long ship together thinking I should have been in Minneapolis today if only they had found a way not watching until tomorrow. Just not that bothered. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now we continue. Bearded Beer Guy says, I think maybe a few booze. I think I heard maybe a few booze or that was at my house. What were we talking about there? Um, uh, yep. He says that still hurts. To, uh, that still hurts a little hearing the Eagles for NFC. Yep, that was for the NFC title. And I was saying the Eagles should have been the one getting booed. And he said, uh, bearded guy said, I think I heard maybe a few boos or that was at my house. Yep, it was probably both, hopefully. But no, it was mostly at your house, I'm guessing. Uh, bearded beer guy. Tanae Brown says that that's how they'll win. Keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands and let the defense stay fresh. And they did that for a bit. But then again, Brady got crazy. He got really good. Um... Vince Gervato, Lakers, Pies, Browns, is saying that uh, I, I was saying the Eagles team was annoying to watch. Give me a break with the give me a break with these stupid plays turning into huge yards and nonsense. Yeah, Vince was saying I'm just salty. I was saying it's cheap, but the missed tackles they act like they're the best ever. And Vince was telling me, "Come on, mate, if, if the Vikings doing it, I'd be happy." I agree. Um, he was saying correct. They've never won, though, brother. It could be cool to see. And yeah, they got it done. They got it done. So that was it there. Uh, Michael uh, locally says, uh, always getting lucky sucks. Sucks makes it hurt even more. Again, how the Eagles, she wanted the Rams. Yep, the Rams in the Christmas game where the Eagles still won those games despite the situation there where Foles was not playing very well at the time. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yep, and she was saying how the Lions game killed us. Yes, it did. James Beck out of the UK has a couple tweets in a row saying he's loving the game. Besides, there's time for Brady, the Brady Bunch yet. Last year, I was rooting for the Dirty Birds. This year, it's personal. Yep, because it's the Eagles that beat us recently. He's saying, alas, I was a young, naive NFL fan. Jumped on the Patriots' hate bandwagon. They're writing history, which is obviously awesome, and Eagles fans suck. Yep, and I've enjoyed being on the Patriots' uh, you know, as a secondary team for the last many, many years. I became a secondary fan of the Patriots in the late 90s when Drew Bledsoe was still the quarterback. I didn't really like Drew Bledsoe. I just like Boston teams. <clears throat> Celtics, Bruins, all that. I, I, I just like Boston. You know, the Red Sox. I wanted to see them start winning championships. And, geez, I'd be a billionaire, right? <laughs> if I was like an investor in that one. Uh, 
<clears throat> and we continue. Here comes James Beck saying, here comes the Brady Bunch. And they came, but unfortunately it didn't end up working out at the end. James Beck says, I hate that they won it in our stadium, but it's very worthy champions, and what a game to win it all by. Congratulations, Eagles. Yes, I, I agree, James. That was uh, very good. Very good. Um, Janae says, it's a nice story for their team. Cannot stand Philly fans, though. I, I agree completely there for the most part. <clears throat> And I tweeted out, and Vince Germano retweeted it. I said, well-played Eagles, well-played. Amazing team that never gave up, despite the devastating injury to Carson Wentz. Yep, and there's no doubt about that. We'll wrap up the Twitter here. Very long Twitter segment. He says, uh, Matt Martin says, I don't feel so bad about our D after this game. Just a quarterback away from winning it all. Are we not? And possibly. Uh, he says, how wrong was everyone about this Eagles team all this postseason? Not happy they won it in our backyard, to be honest. The catch rule is totally broken, but a most enjoyable game. And well said. Well said, Mad Martin. I think uh, Mad Martin and Danae Brown should be star candidates for this episode. At Purple Mafia Show is a Twitter account. Please do give that a follow. Now we quickly better move on to the Facebook page. I don't believe there's any call-ins at the last second here. Uh, face the cage. There's going to be a little bit of extra before we get back to the Super Bowl. Of course, something did happen recently. Uh, Colin Hurd was, uh, was his name? Yep, Mr. Hurd there was uh, saying all oh, the Vikings totally blew it. And I, I agreed by that, of course. But uh, I already talked about that on the last show. Um, comments about uh, Daryl Bevel being a possibility as offensive coordinator. Again, we'll talk about that more in the next episode as well, but we'll read some of the comments. Sebastian was saying he he's won it all and went to another good experience. I forget if I read this already. I think I, yeah, I think this was on the last show. No, 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 it wasn't. I'll read it. Uh, Jacob Etrim says, indifferent. I didn't like him with the Vikings, but that may have been because I hated DeVars Jackson. Yeah, that was a tough time. Uh, he did pretty well in Seattle, but... I like the offense we had in 2017, which is why I'd rather see Kevin Stefanski as offensive coordinator, and he is very much a candidate, uh, especially since he's been with the team since 2006. He deserves it, and sure, that could happen, just like Mike Zimmer finally moved up. Uh, Matt Emer out of the UK says, we want people with winning mentality. I'm in. And uh, Jacob Etrium is from uh, Minnesota here, a little bit more rural out of the Twin Cities. Tony Coleman from South Dakota says, Ben Lieber said on KFAN, that when Bevel was in Minnesota, he didn't really get a chance to do much because Childress is so controlling and overpowering on the offense. Uh, it's a kick-ass offense. Uh, uh, Brett Favre needs to uh, stay in the concept of the system, uh, the, the confines of the system. You can't give the ball to the other team. Uh, uh. Yeah, that was Childress. Lieber says, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, Tony Coleman continues with uh, Lieber said he'd like to see what Bevel could do without Childress looming over him. Yeah, Childress, oh, and Childress retired as a coach, so adios amigo, I suppose. Childress had some success, and yeah, I, I don't know. He, he's uh, he's a nicer guy than he came off as, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think he was the <laughs> but when he was an actual head coach. Some people take on the head coaching duties well, some people don't, and I don't think Childress took it on real well. He's a better assistant than a head coach. He seemed like a fun guy as an assistant, but when he was a head coach, I don't know, he got a little bit too... I don't know. Too harsh. Too harsh. Uh, Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, I'm 50-50. I don't like it or hate it. I'm just not impressed with what Seattle did on offense. Yeah, and I can see how it's mostly Russell Wilson being what he is. You know, just the mobility. The guy's the fastest quarterback ever. Fastest quarterback ever. And I don't like the Seahawks at all. I think they're arrogant and obnoxious. And I, oh, it's annoying. But 
they got the job done because Russell Wilson did a hell of a job. So continue. Uh, I was talking about asking everyone's thoughts on Randy Moss being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, uh, yep, I, I didn't make this the title of the episode or anything. We could talk about it more, too. But obviously, and then, of course, he's far removed from being on the Vikings. That's partially why I didn't make it, like, right at the beginning. And maybe I should have, but this is where people can comment on it, though. And I do congratulate Randy Moss, what he was able to accomplish in his career. And he changed the game, obviously. The Packers drafted, what, three large cornerbacks, secondary players, in 1999. And, well, the Packers' secondary got a lot better. And it had to get a lot better. And remember the frustrating loss we had in Green Bay that year. Of course, stupid Jimmy Hitchcock bit on the Brett Favre fake. We could we could try to forget that, but it's hard to, even though it's only 18 years in the past. But, uh, uh, yep, Randy Moss. Oh, he was a fingertip away from winning a championship on the final play of his career with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, old, yeah, old, what's his name, Mr. Neal Down. That was when he was a good quarterback and he wasn't making it all about himself as much at the time and all about himself and his message rather than just going out there and playing the game. Uh, Randy Moss uh, made a heck of a... He had a good game. His numbers weren't that good that year. He was a year removed from the NFL, came back with San Francisco. Of course, he went to Yo What Up Tennessee after the Vikings cut him after a horrible turnout, unfortunately. A not-so-good return for Randy Moss to Minnesota. It, God, I was looking forward to that. It was so sad how things turned out. But uh, he had a couple of catches with a what-up Tennessee, which is, of course, that's a quote he made back in the I play when I want to play uh, nonsense. Sid, Sid Hartman wrote that. And uh, I don't know, the fan base took that the wrong way. And unfortunately, uh, Randy didn't mean it the way it was written, but it is what it is. Um but uh, Randy Moss, of course, again, oh, just a fingertip away from hauling in that championship. So I felt for him really bad. And, of course, he made a potential Super Bowl-winning touchdown against the Patri- uh, with the Patriots against the Giants. But, of course, they left too much time on the clock. They left over two minutes remaining. And then the Eli Manning to uh, David Kyrie uh, frickin' helmet miracle catch bullcrap. And the Giants ended up knocking out an undefeated team. That was the greatest team I ever saw, and they didn't even get the title because of a stupid helmet play. The Patriots' offense was so good, it was so easy, that they left too much time on the clock. And it's like, what do you do, you know? What the hell can you do, as Jerry Burns once said? What the hell can you do? I mean, <clears throat> the offense was too good. <laughs> that is a kick-ass offense. Brady, 50 touchdowns. Miranda Moss, 23 touchdowns. That's a kick-ass offense, Chili. That's a kick-ass offense. Just imagine Childress with Moss. But, of course, we did have Childress with Moss for a couple minutes. And Randy Moss and Favre were basically making fun of Childress. And Childress was what he was. He just he, he cut Randy Moss because he just couldn't handle it. And, uh, of course, Moss wasn't as good anymore, blah, blah, blah. But amazing career who changed the game. And uh, I have to do it as a sitting ovation because I wouldn't be close enough to the microphone. But uh, amazing career for Randy Moss. First ballot Hall of Famer, the only other wide receiver to do this was, of course, Jerry Rice. Jerry bleepin' Rice. So, there you go. Um, once Randy Moss got to be with the Joe Montana LS quarterback, look at the numbers, baby. Just look at the numbers. Imagine Moss playing his whole career with uh, Tom Brady and, say, Jimmy Garoppolo. Or what if it was just Tom Brady because they're the same age? Obviously, Rice was a few years younger than Montana, so we got to play with Young for a while. Great, uh, great fortune for Jerry Rice, but also, hey, you got to catch the damn ball, too. So it's a combination 
in that category. Team, team, team when it comes to football. I'm a million percent team. Uh, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, love it. Tony Coleman out of South Dakota says, love it. Tony Coleman posting the little video where Randy Moss mooned uh, the Packer fans back because the Packer fans mooned the Vikings bust the day before. That's what most people do not know about. That was the story behind it. Of course, Joe Buck did not know the story at all and took it massive offense to it and annoyed uh, Viking fans all over town. I think Joe Buck is just fine. He's a great uh, play-by-play voice. And of course, he was the play-by-play voice along with Paul Allen for the Minneapolis Miracle. Uh, the other one, of course, was the great Kevin Harlan. You couldn't get better three announcers right there. Kevin Harlan, the former Tim Rules announcer. Oh, oh, baby, what a play. Buckle up. Tom Googly Oogly Oogly, baby. Went on to be a national broadcaster because he was that good. And, of course, again, Paul Allen is unbelievable Vikings announcer. And, yeah, the great uh, Joe Buck, along with his father, the greatest, the greatest Jack Buck. So the only one I could compare Jack Buck to is uh, Vince Scully and uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mark Carlson. Okay, Patrick Grant first says, agreed deservedly. So Mark Carlson out of Iowa says, I remember Carter and Moss working together early in his career. Carter with all the sharpened skills and Moss just a student. Man, the incredible speed and reach that Moss has. I didn't like the flashy and sometimes cocky or showy Moss at all. However, like Neon Dion, respect is given where respect is earned. And uh, yeah, great, great thoughts there, Mark Carlson, star candidate. Uh, amazing, amazing thoughts by you guys. And what a fun uh, career it really was. Um, I still remember, too, the first preseason game. I always thought about how Cadre Ismail has so much speed and no bleeping hands. Chris Carter, not as fast, but the hands, the greatest hands ever. The guy who could make that great third down catch you need in that big moment in the game. Um, the best hands ever, Chris Carter. Great speed by Cadre Ismail. Couldn't catch a freaking cold. And then you get a guy who's a little bit faster than Cadre and has about as good a hands as Chris Carter. And, and you're just like, oh my God, did he just do that? And he did it again, 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 and then you go into Green Bay, and you blow out the world champion or two-time NFC championship team that basically was stepping on our groin the last few years and stomping on it as hard as they could, and we went in there and kicked them around so bad, and it was so fun. And then Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson, Philadelphia Eagles coach Doug Peterson, came in because Brett Favre, it was time to take him out of the game. The game was out of hand. Doug Peterson threw two touchdown passes to make the score look a little bit prettier for Green Bay. Doug Peterson, who the next season went on to Philadelphia to be the uh, bridge quarterback into Donovan McNabb. And Doug Peterson has basically been a part of Philadelphia ever since. And uh, what a, what you know, he's a good guy, amazing coach. Wow, what an amazing coach Doug Peterson is. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm frustrated with the loss to the Eagles, but Doug Peterson is something, isn't he? Isn't he something? That, that, that guy is, you know, he deserves a ring, and he, and he got it. And my man, did he get it. <laughs> you know, that was the one thing I was thinking last night. You know, you want Tom Brady to win, you know, or I did anyway. A lot of you probably didn't. A lot of you didn't, I'm sure. And that's, that's your 100% your right to do that. Um, but it's like, boy, it, I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, you know, as much as I'm rooting for the Patriots, it would be a crying shame to see Doug Peterson not get a ring with what the job he's done. And then it's like, you know what? He's probably going to win. He's, they're probably going to win because he's, he's out coaching everybody. He's just great. And 
Wow. Uh, Doug Peterson is as much a Super Bowl MVP as anybody else. He's just something. Something else. Uh, Randy Moss got very emotional on the set there for Sports Center. Amazing there as Randy Moss, of course, moving from FS1 to Sports Center. Uh, tears in his eyes, legitimate rivers coming down. And uh, a few comments here on that little video. Marla Lipinski says. Randy Moss, welcome to the Hall of Fame from a true Vikings fan from Pesca, Minnesota. And thank you, Marla. Great thoughts there. Very true. Uh, now the Super Bowl uh, postgame thread is right here, and we can wrap up the show with this. Luke Rasmussen locally, and of course a classmate back in the old days of Maranatha Christian Academy. Yes, some of you out there from there that might be listening. Maybe, maybe, unless you're all too good for me, damn it, which you were back then, most of you, you sons of biscuits. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says, glad it's over. Yankee, out of Brooklyn Center, says, but those two freebie touchdowns Philly got. Oh, and yeah, it was heartbreaking because, obviously, poor defense by the Patriots, all of the Vikings. They just killed them up the middle, sliced through like a, you know, both quarterbacks sliced through those defenses, and it was very, very impressive. Masterfully done. Uh, Patrick Grant, and I, yeah, I wouldn't be all that excited for Detroit getting, the, getting their coach there. <laughs> That guy, of course, being Pat, um, Matt Patricia there. I almost called him Pat Matricia, but Matt Patricia, of course, going to Detroit. Bend but don't break. Well, it bent pretty far, and it broke enough. That's for sure. Um, Patrick Grant saying, Vikings uh, 2019 Super Bowl champs. I love the sound of that. And uh, it was uh, Cedric Paulding responding there, and I hope so. Cedric Paulding says, I wish we could go after Nick Bowles. <laughs> That's a funny thought. And yeah, I, why not? He looked better than Case Keenum, didn't he? Looked amazing. And yes, Nick Foles did have the amazing numbers years ago. 27 and 2. 27 touchdowns, 2 interceptions. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, I, I don't even know how you do that. It's amazing to think he actually had an interception in the game. A guy that doesn't throw him. So uh, you were hoping he would, and he just didn't. Uh, Mark Carlson says, an hour after the game, I recognize that the Eagles are for real. Don't hate on me for saying it. And, and I don't uh, for saying it, but they simply got down the field and scored. The Eagle D handled Brady especially well in the first half. i seen some plays tonight on both sides I did not expect. Late in the game, it could have gone either way. I'm satisfied with the outcome. The best team, the best team wins. Because if this were a game based on star power, and who's been there before, the game would be different. One last comment, and I apologize for going long here, but there was no getting by the Eagles this year. You can what if all you want. What we have to say is the Vikings know for sure exactly where the team weaknesses are. I hope they will address them with seriousness, the seriousness they deserve. And yes, that would be safeties, uh, offensive line still. The offensive line still needs work, and I think the defensive line could use a little help as well, but safeties for sure. Um, and you know, as great as Harrison Smith is, he needs help. And of course, Henderson uh, Day, who's oft injured. So getting at least another safety in there would help in a great way. Um, I don't know, and uh, another cornerback. I mean, I wouldn't mind us, but the Vikings have never addressed the safety position in the offseason, at least not really. I think we could, uh, we need to look at a draft, at, at drafting one, either replace Sandejo, maybe, what's wrong with Sandejo being a backup if another guy's better than him? That would only help, as far as I'm concerned. Gerald String out of Nebraska says, well said. Hats off to the Eagles. You have to be perfect to beat the Patriots, and they were. Also think the Eagles are a little better team than we, rec- than we realized going back before the playoffs began. Kind of scary with Carson Wentz back next year. They will be high in the mix again, and you bet they will. You bet they will. <laughs> this was the Eagles' year. You, you could just see it, and you couldn't see it in the Atlanta game, Atlanta-Philadelphia game, 
I figured Atlanta would go there and pull it off and come to U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings would get the job done and the Super Bowl might be a different story. Maybe Tom Brady would beat us, unfortunately, but maybe the Vikings would win. Who knows? Depends on the Vikings' confidence and pre preparation for Tom Brady in that game, but Philadelphia did what they needed to do with those doggone option plays. They just they did just enough to beat Atlanta. They kept getting those key first downs, moving the chains, and Atlanta could do nothing about it late in that game. They could not finish the job. A little 15-10 to 10 victory for the Eagles. And and then the confidence just went and kablooey. It was, it was insane. It went from a dormant volcano to a super volcano. In, in, in a week, and that super volcano erupted in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium one one more time. Just crazy. The defense certainly wasn't as good, but you're going against the greatest ever. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He is, okay? And I love Joe Montana so much, and I it took me until last year for me to relinquish saying Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback ever. It took until last bleeping season to do it. But uh, the amazing job the Patriots organization has done must not get uh, thrown under the rug here by people that just hate them for this and that. They did an amazing job for many, many years. Is this it? Who knows? And we'll talk about that later because this is not an off-season show. So, <laughs> there's always conversation for the off-season, but it's, we got to limit this to what it is at this moment. Save some of that conversation for State of the Vikings, which is the next show. I will post a thread on Purple Mafia, the, the Purple Mafia show on Facebook, where I will... I uh, encourage you to mention the biggest surprise, big, biggest disappointment, and MVP. Of course, start with the MVP, biggest disappointment, and biggest surprise of the season. I think the biggest surprise is obvious. Disappointment is up for grabs. MVP is up for grabs. So, And please try to keep them to players, particularly for the MVP, if you could. Um, particularly for the MVP. A brief conversation as to why. You don't need to make it a big like two-paragraph essay about it. Just mention why you chose this player. A sentence or two, something like that. Um, Going to give a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven, that's a Facebook page who uh, Trevor Wickerin is kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that Facebook page. So I am more than obliged to uh, give a big shout out and encourage you to join that page, which a good number of you have. It's a nice, fair deal between the two of us there, uh, myself and Trevor Wickerin. Wonderful little page there, in game threads and uh, conversation during the course of the week about this and that regarding the Vikings. Of course, Purple Mafia show. The link to that show, to this show, and the Twitter account and the, and the email address are all in the show description. Final thing is, please call into the phone lines. The number is 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for the Purple Mafia show. Give a statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. There is a three-minute limit to this voicemail because it is a real voicemail. Of course, the call now button on the Facebook page goes to the same phone number, just through Facebook Messenger instead of your phone. So if you're long distance, it can go right through there with no cost whatsoever. As long as you have any type of data plan or Wi-Fi or whatever, you're good to go. Of course, the final route is audio submission, which Mad Martin uses and Tanae Brown has used in the past on Purple Rules Explosion. And more than welcome to do it again. Really encourage Mad Martin to call in uh, his MVP, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise in his calling. That would be cool. Mad Martin, more than welcome to do that. And the green light is open for others uh, out there as well. You guys are all welcome to do that. If you'd rather do that, then write it down or even both. But probably do one or the other. <laughs> why Why write and call about the same thing? That's kind of silly. So, yeah, that would get kind of tiring. <laughs> the audio submission route um, is just use the free voice recording application on your smart device. 
Save it and email it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. Keep it to maybe five minutes or so, approximately, just to save space, because the Vikings didn't win the Super Bowl this year, so I would rather keep a limit on it, uh, if possible. Five minutes or so, email it to that. PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com. Again, all the information is in the show description for copy and paste purposes, if need be. And um, there, that's pretty much about it. I want to wish all of you a wonderful uh, couple weeks here leading into State of the Vikings. Hope for your involvement in the show. is always welcome. Better pass out the awards. The gold star for this episode. You know, James Beck should get a star too, of course. Uh, absolutely. The gold star, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give the gold star for this episode... To, to, to Nay Brown. Uh, it, it's always tough to give them out to anybody. I mean, you guys are just, you all deserve it. Yeah, so Tony Brown's going to get the gold star. Uh, James Beck is going to share it. Uh, both of you guys are going to get the gold star. James Beck and Tony Brown, I wanted to give it to both of you guys. Mark Carlson will ring in the silver star. And Mad Martin will have a silver-laced bronze star in this show. Silver-laced bronze star. You know, all you guys are spectacular. I want to thank you so much for your involvement all year, all season. It is greatly appreciated. I will also pass out the stars of the year uh, during the end of the uh, the State of the Vikings like I do every season. I have a pretty good idea who I'm going to pass it out to. I will also introduce the uh, first class of the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. It will be six people, and then after that it will be four every year. But the first group will be six uh, unless I change things a little bit and add some more, I don't know. But the first group will generally be people that have been in for a very long time. So some of you that probably absolutely deserve to be in immediately will get in next year. So that's how it goes in the, in the next group of four. But uh, that's just an indicator. So thanks again for your listenership. Thanks again. God bless you. Some of them are obvious, obviously, like uh, guys that helped me start the show. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's an obvious uh, first ballot Hall of Famer for Purple Mafia. Of course, nobody nobody's that worried about being in a Purple Mafia Hall of Fame, but it's fun. I, I just it's just recognizing you for being such a big part of this show for gosh, the ten years I've been around already. Thanks again. God bless. Hope to hear from you soon and take care. <laughs>